Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everyone knows the best part of the muffin is the top. (laughs) And we're about to tear into this whole grain, low-fat episode of the great pop culture debate. It's part two of the best 2000 sitcom. I'm your host and acting mascot of the Greendale human beings, Eric Resniak, and I'm again joined by my panelists, Ama Marfo, Curtis Creekmore, and Kevin Dillon. Did you skip part one of the episode where we went from the top 32 to the sweet 16? That's so Rachel Green of you. Go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts of moderate quality and listen to it now. All set? Then grab the downloadable listener bracket from greatpopculturedebate.com and get ready to play along at home. So we'll start round two with our top, our Sweet 16. And the first matchup is Parks and Recreation versus South Park. And Ama, you wanted to speak on Parks and Rec's behalf. I did. So I'll say when I think about really feel good sitcoms. And I think some of the ones we've talked about, we've kind of praised for being uncomfortable or for being a little bit challenging or having unlikable characters. And amidst all of that, Parks and Rec does something wherein everybody's really likable. Even the people that you can sense day to day, if you met them, you probably wouldn't enjoy them very much. As an ensemble, they're hugely enjoyable. And I think that that means something. Uh, so I, I like it for having that ability wherein not a lot of shows represented here really have that. And I think we'll get to some other ones later on um, and talk about some of the characters that are challenging, but it's just a really delightful group. And I think, I think we need that right now. That is so true. It is like the sweetest show, but it's not saccharine. It's, it's like yes, both very sharp and yet still so endearing in a way that I, I agree there. I can't think of many other shows that are like that. It is. Um, it's likable, but it's grounded. And yeah, that's that means sure. something. Yeah. Um, I will speak on behalf of South Park here because as we mentioned in round one, the problem with Parks and Rec in this bracket is that if we're looking from 2000 to 2009, only part of season two of Parks and Rec would have been up for consideration. So it's it's still just getting its footing, right? I don't even think Ben is in the show at that point, is he? No. no. I think not yet. He's in season three. Um. Whereas South Park was firing on all cylinders for most of the 2000s. And you could argue, and I wouldn't necessarily debate this, that those cylinders are still pretty meager. Um, I do think that South Park is a really ballsy show for sure. And it does have some incredibly funny moments. Like there's some, like the episode where Cartman makes that kid eat his parents when he is baked into chili. is so funny to me like i can't stop laughing with like yes yes let me lick your salty tears like <laughs> so fucked up but it is hilarious and like they don't always get it right and they do some really weird ass shit on that show but it can be very very funny and if this was parks and rec like the later seasons versus south park 2010s no contest this is a parks and rec all the way probably to the end but since we're talking about early seasons park and rec and early season south park in my opinion i'm giving it to south park here curtis where are you coming down i will vote for south park on one condition 
Just like RuPaul made All-Stars 1 so that Chad Michaels could win a crown, you must have a 2010 sitcom episode and have me on it so that Parks and Rec can get the crown that it deserves. Well, God love you for thinking we'll still have a society <laughs> a year from now. Um, I'm, I'm, listen, I do not want you to vote any way that, that other than you want to vote. And if you guys want to put Parks and Rec through here, I'm not going to be mad about it. But I did want to point out that we're talking about the weakest parts of Parks and Rec. Yeah. And arguably yep. the strongest or close to the strongest parts of South Park. Kevin, where are you coming down? I'm coming down on South Park for that reason alone. And initially when I looked at this ballot, I was like, oh, Parks and Rec all the way. And then I was like, wait, what year did Parks and Rec come out? Cause I had to rethink about it. Cause I, a lot of these shows flex decades. And then I was like, Oh, that's right. It started in 2009. Oh, that season sucked. I have to rethink a lot. So on that, I'm going to vote South park because again, for that episode that where Cartman makes the kid eat his parents, my God, that episode was my entry point to the series. And I think it's hilarious. And there are other great se- episodes from those years, too. Like, we're yes. just referencing that one. But there, South Park had some solid episodes. Ama, you're sticking with Parks and Rec? I am. I am going to stick with it. And Curtis, which way are you going here? You need to make the call. Because if you stick with Parks <clears throat> and Rec, it advances because it's a higher seed. This literally kills me, but it's South Park. It's it's everything that you said. It, it had one and a half seasons. And... Only half of that season was good. So, and South Park, even though I didn't watch it, I didn't watch it growing up. It wasn't until probably the mid 2010s, the teens that I even picked up South Park at all. Um, but yeah, it's it's the better show in 2000. So uh, for those fans of Parks and Rec who are listening to this and are gasping, I urge you to go get yourself a stack of waffles yep. and <laughs> all of the eggs and bacon that you can find. All of the eggs and bacon you can find. <laughs> Not a lot of it, all of it. And I will all be finding it. it when we are done recording. Exactly <laughs> right. So we're going to move on to the next matchup, which is Frasier versus Modern Family. And we already discussed Frasier a little bit in round one. I'm going to speak to the fact that none of my panelists like Modern Family, and I'm not even particularly superly enthusiastic about it. And yet it was a wildly popular show. So I do think that it is, uh, completely justified that it got a two seed. Many, many people watched Modern Family for many, many years. And I understand that favoritism more than I understood Scrubs because I think Modern Family was in many ways funny. But as Ama said while we were on break, it's uh, it's very difficult to watch a show where you could tell where it feels like whether that's the actual dynamic or not, all of the characters hate each other. Like, <laughs> did Claire hate Phil? Did Mitch hate Cam? Did... Oh, gosh. Jay hate Gloria. Like, that was the dynamic. And no matter how long you watch it, that kind of remains. So after a certain point, I'm like, well, I don't know that that's a dynamic that I want to buy into over time. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, um, Part of me feels like it's just that example of America, which is, well, who cares if you're both in misery? You have to stick with each other until you die because that's what you do, which is not really great in, you know, this world we're living in currently where everything is terrible. So (laughs) you should at least give yourself a partner who you can't who you can stand to be around. But um, Kevin, you also made an interesting point about the creators of both of these shows. Yeah, on the break, we were talking about this. They're both created by the same people. Um, Frasier and Modern Family, Steve Levitan and Christopher Lloyd. Not Christopher Lloyd from Taxi, different Christopher Lloyd. 
Um, a lot of people confuse that, but they're both created by the same. They have a lot of the creative forces behind these shows. Um, and they both were Emmy juggernauts, which is kind of, honestly, it's very frustrating for me. I, I also, I do really like Frasier, but the fact that these shows have 10 outstanding Emmy, <sighs> 10 Emmys for outstanding comedy series is one of the most maddening things I could ever get delve into as an awards obsessive because they're good in, in their own, like modern family given Emmy it's first season. Sure. Four more seasons after that. I mean, if they aren't for Sarah Highland, what are the Emmys for? Like, come on. Ty like, Burrell. Uh, yeah. Ty Burrell too. Ty Burrell. Yes, yes, yes. I like mm-hmm. Ty Burrell. Um, but yeah, I mean, Modern Family, I even had a friend who was like, oh, you got to watch the episode about, spoiler alert, I don't care, where Phil <laughs> Dumpy's dad dies. It's so sad. And I was like, do I, though? Do I really have to watch that episode? I, uh, no thanks. I'm good. I don't want it. Curtis, do you want to actually speak in favor of, of Frasier so we're not just hate voting it through? <laughs> not, no, not yet. There hate are voting only- the dangerous phenomenon. I just want to point that out. <laughs> There are only two uh, two shows on this list that I actively hate, and Modern Family is one of them. So, no, I do not want to speak for Frasier. Great. So, I think we actually have a unanimous decision, uh, not for Frasier, but against Modern Family. So, <laughs> congratulations, Kelsey Grammer. Uh, next up, we have The Office versus Community, and I think this is going to get pretty brutal because Ugh. I think in many people's eyes, these should both be one seeds. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm going to throw it to Ama first to talk about Community. So... During all of this time that we've all had indoors, I've had the opportunity to revisit the office nearly in full, and I'm working on community now. And I think community is doing some really interesting things as a sitcom. And in fact, um, on Office Ladies, the podcast that Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey are doing, they talk more than once about how the type of show that the office was kept them from taking some adventurous steps. And they specifically cite community as the type of show they wanted to be more like, but the format kind of couldn't let them do that. So I love those big swings. I love that they can take um, send ups of Star Wars, of modern action movies, of Westerns, of um, gangster movies, all of those things, and manage to fit it into the form, and you still care about all the characters in the process. You don't lose anybody unnecessarily. And I say that because you did lose Chevy Chase, and that was necessary. But (laughs) overall, I think they just, it's, I love The Office dearly in the same way that I love Parks and Rec, but Community's doing something really different and really special that I think deserves to at least be recognized. Yeah, there's no argument there. I think community, again, ambitious and also really, really smart in a lot of ways. Like, here's one of the things I love, and this is true for The Office too, but community recognized pretty quickly how that some of its like tertiary characters were in fact primary characters. Mm -hmm. And so you got the Dean and you got Chang really brought in very quickly to be part of the nucleus of the group. And like, I, honestly, I would just watch a show about the Dean and I feel like that would be just must-see TV for me. Like the stupid shit, that he, there was this one episode, I can't even believe I remember this, where someone finds a map of truck stops yep. and someone's mm-hmm. like, oh, you gave this one three thumbs up and he just turns away from the camera, those aren't thumbs. I <laughs> <laughs> just died. Like it's such a smart little, like, and some of the people would not even get that that joke. Although this is the second time in the podcast this month that I have made reference to 
blowing men in public restrooms. And I just need, I just need to clear my name here. Listen, every every podcast needs a niche. It's okay it's that true. this is yours. And our niche is a glory hole, which I think is actually very on brand. But um, in all seriousness, though, like I have nothing but respect for community, and there was a lot of turmoil behind the scenes of that show. And goddamn yes. it, I think they weathered it as best as any show could. <clears throat> But they, it's up against the... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the only other thing I was going to say on that is that the character of the Dean, I think if you don't get him, you then don't get Pastor Glenn on Letterkenny, which, again, making another case for 2010 sitcoms, because I'm going to speak very loudly about Letterkenny being involved in that. Um, but yeah, you can tell it kind of inspired a lot of other shows, whether it was things they could do or things that they couldn't. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, if it was not up against the office, I would be putting community through without a question, but the office is the office. And yeah. I think we would be really remiss if we are looking at the sitcoms of the 2000s. Community had all of the potential in the world. Oh my God, I'm taking this to top model. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I have two girls standing before me. One of you has all the potential in the world, but you're struggling to meet it. And the other one is solid, but you never rise to greatness. And I only have one of you that will continue in the running to become great pop culture debates next top 2000s best sitcom. <laughs> the Office. Like to me, that's what it comes down to. Like you cannot dispute that The Office was, I think, in many ways, the defining sitcom of the de of the uh, decade uh it revitalized nbc which was in the gutter it took the british sitcom which was very popular the first season of the office in the u.s is a hot boo-boo mess it kind of gets it together by the end but like compare michael in season one of the office to michael in season two of the office totally different character not as much as for instance like uh leslie and ron in parks and rec seasons one and two which are totally different characters but like Season one of The Office is getting its feet, but by the time you get to season three, I still, every year to this date, will watch this Christmas episodes of two NBC sitcoms. Every year, every episode. The Office is one of them. The other is 30 Rock. And to me, The Office is the defining show of the decade. And we can go into it more, but I want to keep some of my ammunition for future rounds. Who's voting for community here? Kevin? Okay, so uh, I think... Again, I hate to say this, but it's a 2010s show more than it because the first only the first part of the first season of Community is in the is in 2009. So, and that's I arguably maybe the weakest part of it too. Community is honestly one of my favorite shows of all time. As is Happy Endings. There are a lot of shows like I think they are incredible, and but. The Office, what we do get of The Office from 2005 to um, 2010 is just impeccable television. And yeah, it's I, gold. Yeah, the I mean, The Gay Witch Hunt, where <laughs> Michael kisses Oscar. <laughs> I mean, the, the scene where Ryan describes how his uncle Mufasa died on a safari. I, it's... It's a great show. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the office. Curtis. I mean it really doesn't matter since the office is a one seed and it's now at least a tie. I don't like the office. I don't like it. I cannot watch a show where the main character, the main protagonist is so unlikable. I can't do it. That's the one thing that I think Parks and Rec really improved upon because Leslie Nope, while she does have her 
you know, problems, she's still a very likable character that you want to root for. You want to see Leslie Nope succeed. And I couldn't give two shits about Michael Scott. So I vote for community. Okay. It's, it's, so it's a tie. So well done, Amma. You, uh, that's good. But Office will continue. I'm curious, when did you give up on Community? Or excuse me, The Office. When did you give up on it? I don't, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you when I stopped watching. Like, you know, you, you see episodes every now and then because you have to, because it's forced in your face. But I just, they're so, like, the, I don't love the tertiary characters in The Office the way that I love the tertiary characters in Parks and Rec. They also get on my nerves. Like, sure, you like Pam. And sure, you like Linda or whatever the hell her name is. I don't even care. Angela? No. Phyllis? Phyllis. That's the one. Thank you. Yes. But the I I don't. I don't like the show. Interesting. I will say this. I And people argue with me if you want. I think they did a great job humanizing Michael over the years. They really did. And I think sometimes they realized they were humanizing him too much. And that's when you got a Scott's Tots episode, which really brings crashing down to earth what a fucking monster he is. But he's not deliberately a monster. He's just so clueless that he's destructive, which I think is a great snapshot of white America, right? Like, just so fucking clueless that they have no idea how destructive they are. Um but I, I not personally, I love the tertiary characters on The Office. I love them all, like all of them. But all that said, we're going to move it along to round three. Next up, it's Sex in the City versus It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I don't think anyone here said they were going to vote for Sunny. Kevin, do you want to speak on Sex in the City? I, you know, I think the thing that I want to ha- this the next battle that we're going to get into is also going to be kind of tough because I, I went back and forth. But I think Sex in the City... Um, the city is another character in the show too. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I think the thing I love about sex in the city is that um, it, it, it has an iconography to it and not everyone does this, but a good majority of people do this where they're like, I'm a Samantha or I'm a Samantha and Carrie. And like you take on some of the character traits, like, elements of them like it's almost kind of like the way a lot of people i guess maybe it is maybe more gay men um but i hear women do it too or i heard would hear women do it too where you take on character traits in the golden girls and so like to kind of parallel these like two very iconic show about women feeling empowered to um i think as the podcast say it said it kind of do what men do really like the origins podcast that we talked about, like, you know, it was really this experience to see women in these like very strong and powerful roles and to own their experiences and to, to not only talk about sex, but to show sex and to be very um, empowering with the way that was done. And I mean, there are a lot of really great episodes in this show the one where Carrie walks the runway and trips and falls. Oh, she's it, fashion roadkill. She's fashion roadkill. I mean, it's a great episode. I mean, that coat is iconic. It was um, used, uh, I think, I don't know if Willem actually had the actual coat, but it is that coat uh, that he used in Drag Race uh, season four. And, you know, there's a lot. I think that's another piece of this, the fashion. This show got people into fashion in a whole very different and interesting way. It spurred the Devil Wears Prada. It is, it, it has a reverberation about, um, that centralizes on women characters in not only sitcoms, but in dramas and that foursome type element that 
it might have not always been repeated successfully, but it, you know, people tried to copy it and mimic it, which shows its power and impact. Lipstick Jungle and Cashmere Mafia yes. were both yep. direct Xeroxes of this show, and they yep. both tanked. Yep. But yeah, and I mean, you could argue that the Instagram culture was kind yep. of even preceded by Sex in the City. Like, Manolo Blahniks were not a thing that the nope. average human being knew about until Sex in the City came along. Nope. Um and I also questioned whether these completely over the top, like Instagram weddings would even be a thing if you didn't have Carrie's New York public library yep. with the Vogue dress. You could argue to me, you're crazy. You have no idea what you're talking about. And you might be right. But I think for the average human being, not the mega wealthy who always did these type of ostentation event, ostentatious events, it democratized a level of luxury and named the brands more than I can think of any other sto- show. Like there was always ultra wealthy people, but they weren't flaunting the brands the way that the Sex and the City women did. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Come for me on this. I'm fine. No, I think you're I think you're fully right. I think um I think it popularized brands that a lot of people maybe maybe they had heard about or they'd seen certain things on like a, on a red carpet, but this made it I don't know, wearable, ready to wear. I guess that that's another element to it, but like that is very cuz they saw people like I'm just going to say it, they saw Miranda dressing up and they're like, oh, Miranda can dress up. I'm going to dress up and I'm going to look really like, or I'm going to do what Carrie does. And I'm just going to explore this weird and unique fashion or I'm going to be a slut and I'm not going to wear any underwear like Samantha, like, you know, all that stuff. I think fashion, it did democratize fashion very much. What an icon not wearing underwear. Oh, yeah, uh, so does Amar, are you cool with Sex and the City moving forward? Or are you always sunny? No, I'll go Sex and the City on this one. Curtis? Sex and the City. I took a quiz, by the way, to figure out which sex and city character it was. <laughs> and I got the post-it note that dumped Carrie. Oh, <laughs> Moving on. It's Ugly Betty versus The Simpsons. And Kevin, talk to me about Ugly Betty here. Uh, Ugly Betty um, took... It, was, it took that telenovela element. And obviously, you know it's the only sitcom that has a diverse cast in it. It's the only Latino Hispanic sitcom on, on this bracket. And it took that story of this, this family, one of whose, uh, their, their, their father was an immigrant. And there's a storyline actually about him being an illegal immigrant. Um, Mm -hmm. So it had deeper elements too. It was like a really funny, like you t- you got this like really intense, dramatic, like, oh my God, this is happening and it's really sad and whatnot. But it like, you also got these like really absurd moments. Like Mark and Amanda are not given <laughs> enough credit. They are two of the funniest sitcom characters. Becky Newton and Michael Yuri are beyond hilarious and you know and and you even got to see them evolve and become friends with america ferrera's betty and that was really sweet they didn't stay one note like in some sitcoms we'll talk about later um but you got to see them fully fleshed out and really become human and my god vanessa williams wilhelmina slater (laughs) jesus christ that woman is she should have an emmy She's incredible. Um, she's an icon. Um, it's just really good. I mean, and you also, like I said, I, you have the absurd where Rebecca Romaine is Daniel's sister, and I don't, or Daniel's brother, and I don't know that that ages well. Nope. 
It doesn't. Yep. At all, which that's a con for me in that show. Um, that's the only con about that show, honestly, um, because it's played for absurdity, and I don't love that. I don't like that. Um, with that said, with beyond that blemish, it does explore queerness in a really beautiful way. You had um, the little gay boy, Justin. Justin, yeah. And you got to see his first kiss. You also got to see him explore like what it meant to be a Hispanic gay male, which I thought was really great. And I don't know that I've ever seen that on a TV show. Um, And it's just so funny. Like it's so goddamn funny. And America Ferreira is also not given enough credit for how damn talented she is. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Curtis, you want to talk on the Simpsons? Yeah, I think, when Ugly Betty was on television, I didn't watch it, which is surprising because you would think a show that is basically the Devil Wears Prada turned TV would be like right up my alley. But I gave it a shot. I watched like an episode or two. And I think the fact that it was so telenovela and wasn't what I thought that it was going to be turned me away from it. And The Simpsons definitely had peaked. It was on its way down but it was still a juggernaut. Like it was still pulling in ratings. It was still pumping out, you know, occasionally really great episodes, mostly at the fine level. Um, and during the break, I looked up a couple because you all said like, I, I challenge you to come with 10 episodes. I couldn't find 10 cause I wasn't done yet, but there was the episode where the kids get trapped in the school from the snowstorm that's an excellent episode of the Simpsons. Like it's something that I I definitely remember when I'm going back and looking at what falls within that era. There was an episode called trilogy of error where it kind of like, it was something that was different for the Simpsons. They did three different viewpoints that all converged at the same time. And it was Homer cut off his thumb. Lisa had a science fair project and Bart Bart had a fireworks scheme. And all of those three things came together at the same point. And then you watched how it turned away. That was like above and beyond for, uh, especially an animated show. Like that was something that you would see in a movie theater, that, that like high level of, of thinking. And then the 2000s also gave us Nedna. So Maud died. That was a big deal. That was interesting. Of course, I th- I'm pretty sure it was because the voice actor that did Maud didn't want to do the show anymore. And they had to figure out how to get rid of her. But then it introduced this new thing of Nedna. And I don't know if you all remember, but I definitely remember voting. Like you were given the chance to go and you would either vote for Nedna that you wanted them to stay together or no Nedna if you wanted them to break up. Like that was a, a big cultural moment for me. So my vote is still for the Simpsons. You did a very good job. You did. There. You did a very yeah. good job. Uh, Ama, where are you coming down on this? I was going to say ugly Betty, but I think the argument has swayed me towards Simpsons. I, and I'm going to agree with you. I agree too. Yeah, like I think you did. Like I had given up on The Simpsons, and you slapped me upside the head with a <laughs> yellow four-fingered hand. So well done, <laughs> sir. Hooray! All right, moving on. We have Futurama versus Arrested Development. Curtis, uh, I'm going to have you continue to talk about the Mount Greening shows. Go for it. <clears throat> well, I'm a big fan. Um, except what? Disenchantment. Sorry, <laughs> couldn't catch me on that roller coaster. Futurama is a stunning show. It is so well-written. The voice acting is funny. It's interesting. The characters are so good. And 
much like The Simpsons, there are those episodes that jump out at you and they're the ones that you remember. And I mean, yes, there were episodes of The Simpsons where I remember crying because it touched me so much. I think there are more episodes in the history of Futurama where I cried because it was so touching. Um, so I'm going to talk about those because I want the viewers to or listeners to cry as well. The, <laughs> I might cry. The I know where episode, yeah, the episode where, which is based on a true story, if you didn't know this, the episode where Fry finds a, stra- a stray dog and befriends him. And then that stray dog sits outside the pizza shop waiting for Fry to return because he never does because he's frozen and he sits there and it goes back every single day. And I think it's called Jurassic Bark. Jurassic Bark. That is amazing television. And if you haven't seen it or you can't remember it, go back and watch it and cry because that is so good. And that's that actually turned me on to the song that they play while the dog is sitting there at the end called I Will Wait For You, which is beautiful. It's such a beautiful and sad song. I can't remember the woman who who sang it, but it's it's so good. And then the other one that made me cry is the one where they go to the space honey planet and they have to um, steal honey from the, the space bees or whatever the hell they were called. And um, Leela ends up getting stung and spoilers. So mute this for a little while if you want to go back and watch it because it's so good. You have to watch it. Um, it ends up that the stinger that they thought killed Leela went all the way through her stomach and actually stung Fry. I I believe. Um, And I cried. I cried. And then the series finale, the final, final season series finale, when it, when everything came back, it's so, so good. And the last line of the two of them, like they look at each other and say, you want to do it all again because they're given the chance. Oh, don't make me cry. Oh gosh. They're given the chance to live their lives together again. It's so good. It's so good. This is why I don't have feelings anymore, Curtis. Yeah, have removed exactly. No, but you did a really good job. So, as I said, like Futurama had never really. I just couldn't get into it. But you are making me want to go back and try it like a fourth time to see <laughs> if I can just like make it happen because it just it wasn't hitting me, and who knows why. But for now, I want to turn it over to Ama to speak about Arrested Development, which fully gets me from like the jump. Go for it, Ama. So I have to pull myself together being somebody that's a fan of both of these shows and knowing those emotional moments hit me as well because I know those episodes well and they're beautifully done. Um, But what I will say in the case of Arrested Development is it was one of those shows that from the most, like, I remember hearing about the premise, like it was explained to me what it was about. And I was like, I genuinely don't understand how this is going to be funny. And then I think I jumped in, in the second episode. And not only was it, not only did it win me over to it being funny, it was hysterical. I think that first season is one of the strongest individual seasons of a comedy that I can remember. Um, The second season actually also falls into that. And it's just such good development of characters and such fun dynamic between the actors that did it and the characters that did it. And yeah, it did definitely. And actually both of these shows, Futurama and Arrested Development had some time away and then came back and we had to kind of reckon with what this new version of them was. And I do, I would concede that Arrested Development's quality dropped off a little bit more, but those first three seasons are bulletproof Yep, and they're just, so fun, like so many great character quotes, so many great quotes. Um, 
yeah, I just, I, I think given the choice between these two, and these two are especially difficult for me, but I'm giving Arrested Development the slight edge. Kevin, where are you coming down here? Oh, I don't even understand the question. Of course, Arrested <laughs> Development. <laughs> the first three seasons are unimpeachable for me. They are fantastic television. I uh, agree, but I also feel that season four is worth more credit than people give it. Which version? The original version. I did not watch the remix version. But when you realize that the entire structure of season four is an Arrested Development joke, so that nothing is funny until you actually hear it again, then it like you're like, oh, fuck, that's brilliant. Like the whole face block plot line, Mm -hmm. when you're watching it the first time, you're just like what is going on? And then you get to the end of the season and you realize what's going on. And you're like, holy shit. Every season I've watched up or every scene of of the face block stuff I've watched up to this point is fucking genius. Like it takes eight to 10 episodes for you to realize that that's a punchline. But when you do, when that penny drops, it's great. So I do think like there's certainly some storylines that are better than others. And it is a bummer that they're like never in the same room together as a family. But I, I actually still think the season four is pretty strong. Five is not good. It's just not good. And I, I won't begin to defend that. But Well, um, and l- luckily four and five are in the 2010s. So we're good. That's <laughs> right. It's only, they never happened. It ended in season three. Look at that. Charlize Theron was great in a very disturbing role. But it was it's still so good. good. It's so good. Oh, man. F. So good. Um, all right. So does that mean we have two for Futurama? Or do we have three for Arrested Development. I'm Arrested Development. I'm Arrested Development. I'm Arrested Development. So that's, so we're moving forward to Arrested Development. Curtis, you did a great job with Futurama. It's fine. I cried on a podcast. Good. You can check that off of your, your uh, quarantine bingo. And with, and with good reason. I will, I will affirm you, Curtis, with wonderful reason, because I had to kind of keep my, I knew that I had an argument coming up or else I would have lost (laughs) So next up, we have 30 Rock versus How I Met Your Mother. And this is another one where we don't even have to spend that much time because everybody on this podcast hates How I Met Your Mother. I'm going to take it. (laughs) There are a lot of things to not like about How I Met Your Mother. I will pick one. And the one is, I know there are a lot of shows where we can say, I didn't like the finale or I don't think it ended the way that it should have. But I can't remember a show in recent history where the characters in the finale behaved so fundamentally different from how they had been behaving up to that point. Like to me, it was just in so many ways, a betrayal of what they had built over the last several seasons before. And even those like were of varying quality, but by the time they got to the end and the gymnastics they had to do to get to the ending that they came to, I was like, these aren't the same people. And that felt horrible to me. Cause I was like, then what were we doing this whole time? Like, uh, it, we spent all this time getting to know people to end up with an outcome that essentially asked us to throw that all away and that i think is it's not just a bad outcome for the show it's frankly a bad way to treat viewers and i think compared to some other really effective finales and what i've loved most about them is that you get the good natural solution to everything that you've worked for whereas how i met your mother made me wish i had so much time back yeah Another one of those ones, people taking it home, I want to do a worst series finale yep. Uh, bracket. Yep. 
because certainly that we have a lot of good, there's a lot of juice to be squeezed there. <laughs> How um, I Met Your Mother would be up there for me, although my worst would be Dexter. And that's, that's exactly another topic. That's the whole, but th- this is, s- someone write this shit down. I can't do it. I'm also, I got it. If, you, if you haven't listened to our Game of Thrones podcast, this is certainly prescient to the entire argument. I disagree, but that's <laughs> Uh, so let's move on to our final bout for this round. Cause I believe we're just moving 30 rock forward, right? Nobody's going to argue. Yeah. 30 rock for right. sure. Correct. Perf. Uh, and lastly, it's friends versus will and grace. Kevin, do you want to speak to friends here? Yeah. So I argued against it with curb. Um, and I think those two are both really impeccable shows. Friends came back in the two thousands, like around like season seven, people were like, this show isn't very good right now. That was the season where Monica and um, Chandler got married. And it was just this like weird season. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a season where they build up to a wedding that just isn't a, that, that sitcoms struggle with. Um, But after that um, in season eight, you had um, that was the same season as nine 11. And there was this like emotional resonance around friends that like became very important because it's obviously set in New York as is will and grace. But I don't know. I, I, I think for some reason friends was way always seen more as the New York show, even though it doesn't have any people of color in it, except Aisha Tyler in these later seasons. But, um, I mean, that's these are the seasons where you have Joey falling for Rachel in the beginning, um, where you have Rachel becoming a mom and a deeper character, um, where you have Phoebe meeting Paul Rudd and falling in love with him. And he's an incredible addition to the show who doesn't love Paul Rudd, um, where you have um, Monica and Chandler struggling through um, trying to have a child. Um, And again, it's also where Joey matures. And I think you can argue that the last season is a little frustrating, um, but I think it really, it sticks the landing. It actually, uh, between these two shows, has a good series finale. Um, And... It's just the better show of the two more consistently in the 2000s for me. And it, and again, it also came back as a better show because it was on a, on a, on a critical downturn right before this. So it is that show for me. It's great. So I went and looked and we would be talking about season three of Will and Grace through its end. Yep. And um, those were not great seasons for Will and Grace. Um, The thing we will say about Will and Grace, and I'm not one of the people who disliked the reboot as much as many people. I thought it was fine. In fact, I thought some of the episodes were were pretty solid. Um, But even in the original series, when you're watching after like season two, you recognize that both Will and Grace are fucking assholes. They are not good people. They are not nice to one another. They're like codependent and just, um, they can't escape each other's gravity of misery. Like, and so for that reason, it's like quantum entanglement. Right. And if it was just Jack and Karen, I think yep. I would enjoy the show so much more. And I'm certainly not the only person to say that. Like, that's a, a, a longstanding concept. But um, when Will and Grace was good, it was very, very good. And when it was bad, it was awful. Yep. And 
I just don't know, even as I'm sitting here saying this, if the years we're talking about ever hit the very good. I'd have to go back and find out when the Madonna episodes were. It, that's during these years. The only really great episode that I... There's two... <sighs> My favorite episode, I think, during this year is where these seasons of Will and Grace is where Grace meets Leo's ex, played by Mira Sorvino. That is truly a great episode. Last ex to Brooklyn. Yeah, that's a great episode. Other than that, I really struggled with the last seasons of Will and Grace. I thought it was downright awful. Like the Janet Jackson, Jennifer Lopez stuff was so bad. They became caricatures in a way that was really unfortunate. And like, I don't know. I love Karen and Jack. They're still great, but it just lost me in many ways. How absolutely dare you people? I was waiting. Oh my God. My friggin' hair is on fire. Will and Grace was never bad. Well, no, oh, wait. No, wait. Mm-hmm. Delusional. Take Okay, the the original, the original Will and Grace was not bad. I I do not think that there was ever a time when I was like, eh, this is bad. No, even the Janet Jackson and even the Jennifer Lopez, those were still funny. Was it a a departure from what it originally started out to be? Only slightly. And it's so funny that you all would say that Will and Grace are so unlikable and that's why you can't like this when you push so many fucking shows forward that were just Full of terrible people to me. But But but, what? But those shows know that their leads are terrible people. And that's part of the the entire concept. And I do not believe that the producers, the writers, nor the stars of Will and Grace think that their lead characters are bad people. I'm raising my hand on this one because remember Max Muchnick as a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race? I do. He is supposed to be Will. He is yeah. a terrible person, clearly, as a judge and whatnot. That is Will. He thinks he's great. So let me let me at least get my statement Go out. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Will and Grace normalized being gay in a way that no other show has been able to do. And it was especially important at that time because it was the first show to really be able to do that. They were the first show to have an on-screen gay kiss, I believe. And while it was like kind of jokey and they did it for the penguins or whatever like they purposefully did it because they were talking about how nbc would not allow a gay kiss on screen like it was a big deal they made the characters hilarious while still making them in my opinion likable i mean sure grace and will have their unlikable moments but i don't think they're fully unlikable people and i think the fact that they are codependent is part of it and it is necessary because you absolutely know that there are those gay people out there who are totally codependent on the woman that they grew up with because they don't think that they can find anybody else while true sure while they they absolutely leaned into stereotypes like jack is a gay stereotype but stereotypes are absolutely based in truth i could name you 10 other people that are exactly like jack mcfarland Possibly because Jack McFarland existed. Sure. Sure. And of all the shows in this bracket, there are probably four that I would say have influenced me greatly and my sense of humor. Parks and Rec, Frasier, 30 Rock, and Will and Grace. I would not be the person that I am today without Will and Grace. It is a better show than Friends. 
So I have two things to say about this. Number yeah. one, and I'm very curious to get Amma's take on this, because I suspect that as three gay men, we have a predisposition or at least very specific feelings about Will and Grace that the average listener does not. So I'm curious to get Amma's take on this because I think she's more of an impartial audience. But also I want to point out that as Curtis was making his very impassioned statement, two words popped into my ha- head. Beverly Beverly Leslie is a gift. So I do want to say for all of Will and Grace's faults, Beverly Leslie is unimpeachable. Gay bar fight. Gay bar fight. Yes. Karen was always, Karen and Jack were always amazing, which certainly helps it. But Amma, I want to hear your thoughts on this. So, I, th- I definitely recognize the degree to which Will and Grace was doing something significant. And I recognized it at the time and I absolutely recognize it now. And I also recognize that there are parts of Friends, while iconic, that I wouldn't necessarily want to uplift. And while yep. the show in question that I'm thinking of that would uh, challenge Friends is not involved in this because I believe it ended in the 90s. Um, I am on the living single side of the yeah. living single yes. friend debate. Uh, yes. um, strongly. Very strongly. So this is a challenging thing for me because I think that while I am not personally attached to either of these shows, that makes it hard to then pick which one is better because it's like, honestly, I, I don't, I'm not attached to either one. So I think whichever one got advanced forward, it would go up against 30 Rock and Yes. I would pick the other. So mm. it feels challenging, but to say that like whatever happens happens, but I don't know that I have it. I don't, I don't have a horse in this fight. That's fair. I did check living single ended in 1998. So yeah, it wouldn't have been part of <sighs> yeah. this. Yeah. But I literally, also- we, if we had not had living single, we would not have friends and I would defend that to the death. For sure. I agree. For sure. I, agree. Um, I will also say this, Curtis. So uh, I am not at all trying to dismiss anything you just said, and I love how passionate you are. I do not retract anything I said about Will and Grace, but I do also want to say that Friends, we've talked about it before, it is a cultural touchstone, not just for the people when it was airing in its original time frame, but it was so popular with like millennials and zillennials that MTV was airing it in prime time as recently as like three, four years ago because it was hugely popular. Now that they're launching off HBO max and correct me if I'm wrong on this, they're paying each of the stars of friends, like millions of dollars to come back for a one time, (laughs) like live discussion reunion. It, It, you cannot argue that as a overall pop culture phenomenon it 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 simply dwarfs will and grace which is not to dismiss what will and grace did as a cultural um agent for change it surely did It, it normalized the concept of gay people you can make an argument as i would that it gave them a very um toned down family friendly yes cutter el fudge version of of gay people (laughs) yeah but you need to start with that type of thing before you can get into the more risque stuff that we now see and and accept on on mainstream television yeah will and grace kicked a door down that other shows were then able to walk through yeah sashay through hair hips heels (laughs) um so i'm gonna put it to a vote here curtis i'm getting the sense that you are strongly will and grace we will no longer be friends if friends moves forward. Oh, Kevin, you're definitely team friends. I am. Ama. 
Gosh. Hmm. Phoebe. Karen. Do I just do I just pick up? Are you? Wait, no, are I'm you just trying to convince you? <laughs> okay. I'm like now I'm confused. People are just yelling names. Um, <laughs> I mean, the justice for living single person in me should pick Will and Grace. Sure. So Queen Latifah wants you too. I know she does. <laughs> All right, I'll, I will give it to Will and Grace on the grounds of on uh, because Queen Latifah would want me to, and so would Eric Alexander, and she's great. Yes, Ride the Mavericks. Is. I'm picking Will and Grace. Okay, so that's three for Will and Grace to one for Friends. And if you are listening to this podcast right now and you feel real sore about it, you can come back and send us a letter to our mailbag and you can read Curtis Creekmore for filth. So two things. Number one, you just said three for Will and Grace. Did you change your vote? No, I'm the one who put it up there. No, Uh, Kevin also said Friends. It was two and two. It was two and two. But because Will and Grace is a higher seed, which means that the audience who is listening to this also believed that it was better than Friends, it moved forward. No, no. Friends is, is Friends a three seed? Grace is three. Grace is two, yeah. Oh, well, no, I was voting for Will and Grace. So that's you, me, and Ama for Will and Grace. I thought you were on Friends. I, I was being devil's advocate there. And mm. I do think that our listeners in general, my suspicion is that the people listening to this podcast right now are going to be like, you're picking Will and Grace because it's three gay guys and it's not actually taken into account. Well, one of the gays voted for friends. Congratulations. You brainwashed me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pointing out in the issue of fairness. But again, we would love to have your thoughts on this in mailbag. We want to hear from you. So please send something to great pop culture to be at gmail.com but we have to move on we're at the elite eight south park versus fraser i'm gonna go around the horn i want votes ama which one do you pick oh <laughs> south park because i like colorado as a state it's a great it's a great reason i love it uh, Ama. and how about you kevin i'm fraser and curtis you're fraser yep I will go ahead and move Frasier forward, even though, frankly, I don't feel particularly strongly about either one of those people being in the final four. Um, but I think Frasier deserves it more than South Park. Office versus Sex in the City. I'm going to throw it to Curtis. Sex in the City. Kevin. Okay, so I had Sex in the City going forward, but I'm going to switch to The Office because... I'm just going to switch to The Office because I think it led us to where we are with sitcoms to t- today. Ama. The Office. I will also give it to The Office, and I will argue this. It is 2020, <clears throat> and already I think that the cultural relevancy of Sex in the City has all but evaporated. Yep. Nobody talks about that show anymore. The gays, the 20-something gays, have no idea what it is, whereas The Office, I think, will continue to have a very strong cultural presence for many years to come um next up it's the simpsons versus arrested development curtis creekmore arrested development ama arrested development kevin arrested development all right that's a sweep for arrested development and 30 rock versus will and grace oh this is going to be fun i'm going to leave curtis to last (laughs) oh 30 rock hands down easy ama 30 rock Curtis, (laughs) Curtis, <laughs> you're an evil, evil little dwarf, Eric. I am. That's the nicest thing you said about me all day. <laughs> 30 Rock is a better show than Will and Grace. Absolutely. Okay. 
All right. So that is our final four. We have Frasier versus The Office, Arrested Development versus 30 Rock. Is that the final four that I thought we would have at this point? <laughs> no. I am not sure. And that's okay. It's all, I just always find it fascinating. I don't think I would have put Frasier that far into this bracket, but I also think that Frasier comes from a weaker bracket overall. It does. You, I think the issue there is the Parks and Rec because that was the one yep. seed from that bracket. Yeah. And if it had not been like the tail end of that decade, I think we'd be having a very different discussion right now, but we, that's where we are. So Frazier versus the office. I'm going to uh, open it up for, for arguments here. First, I'm going to go, Ama, do you have a preference here? Oh, I'm very much so. I'm very much in favor of the office over Frazier. I think that while Frazier was doing something very special in the moment that it was in, I think that the office has had such outsized influence since then. Um, I think about the number of theme parties that I had for my birthday in three consecutive years were the office. I did office Olympics one year. I did finer things club one year. And then the third year that I did it, my birthday party was a Dundee's at a Chili's. So like, I can't vote for anything else. Like that was going to be one of the final, actually. Yeah. That was going to end up being one of the final two, no matter where we landed. Yeah, literally, I would say two out of three those three things I have also done in my life with the Dundies and the Finer Thanks Club. Those are things that have actually happened in offices that I that I have worked in. So Office Olympics was a doozy too. I highly recommend it if you can ever facilitate great. one. It sounds great. I don't know if I can eat the many yo plates, but I'll have to really. <laughs> make it uh, Kevin, where you come down here? Oh, the office, hands down. It's, I, like you said earlier, I love the side characters. I love Meredith and her flashing her tits. I love Kevin and his chili. Uh, It's just, it's just a great show. Curtis, are you going to stick with Frasier? I absolutely am. I do not like The Office, but even more than me not liking The Office as a show. I said earlier that Frasier is one of the shows that impacted the way that I grew up. Um, I was one of those gifted and talented kids, um, that struggles later on in life because he wasn't challenged, but watching Frasier on Lifetime, because that's where I was able to watch it along with the Golden Girls, um, it, it developed a sense, a dry wit. Um, and you, you all said earlier that Frasier, you, you thought Frasier looks down on its audience. And I think it does, but I think it does that purposefully because you are meant to be the John Mulaney character. Wait, what's it? John Mahoney. John Mahoney character. You are meant to be Frasier's dad. You are meant to not understand how he fits in with everything. And, and this hoity, like, how did he come out of that father? It just doesn't make sense. But you're in on that joke. But it's just so funny. It's such a well-written, well-acted show. You all have talked about it so much. I love it. I will absolutely vote for it. But I am outvoted. You are outvoted. I was neither talented nor gifted. So, uh, (laughs) But I did, and I still am not either of those things. But um, I I did watch both of the shows. I watched uh, Frasier probably right up to the end. And I I will say that I, I dropped The Office shortly after Michael left. I just, I, it was not the same show to me, which I'm sure is true for many people. Um, but I think The Office, again, has greater cultural relevancy. And I think it had a huge, you would not have your Parks and Rec without The Office. You would not have, and that's just one show. There are many shows that you wouldn't have if you didn't have The Office. Um, and I, I think it 
is a very smart show with very good writing. And I think the acting on The Office is just as good as Frasier, even though it's a completely different type of acting. Like it's almost comparing like a stage show to almost a reality TV program, but both of them are completely relevant. Um, And that's not a very good analogy, but you understand what I'm saying. So we're moving The Office on to the final two. And it's, this is Arrested Development versus 30 Rock. And I'm going to throw it to Curtis first. This is honestly really difficult because even though I argued against Arrested Development with Futurama, I still love the show. It's still an amazing show. And the thing that I like the most about Arrested Development is their ability to hide those jokes. Like you said, the entire season of season four has one joke that goes through it. Like it is such an intelligent show in that way that you don't understand what the jokes are until episodes later. And if you didn't pay attention, then you might not have gotten it the first time through. So you have to go back and watch it, but it is, it's a great show. It's very, um, what's the word that I'm like quotable. You, you know, you, you say things like, you know, Kevin's quote, like I don't understand the question and I won't respond to it. Lucille Bluth or even Lucille too. Like Liza Minnelli is fucking just hilarious in that show however (laughs) however i have to vote for 30 rock because if you haven't listened to the episode where i said that i would literally watch tina fey shit in the street and enjoy it i said that and i absolutely mean it because 30 rock is a stunning show people didn't understand it i don't know that they still do but it's just so funny so well written so well acted it's just it's amazing so 30 rock for me ama where are you coming down here so i'm just gonna throw out a preemptive one that it was going from the final four to the championship round that i cried last time and i might cry this time i don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) um so i like Curtis, love both of these shows. Arrested Development, I think, at the point when I was still developing my comedic voice, was one of the smartest things I had ever seen on television, and it still impresses me. Um, like I said, the first three seasons are bulletproof. I think it is amazing comedy, well-acted, beautifully written, with so many layers of things that you will laugh about, and then two weeks later, something will pop in your head and be like, wait, that was amazing. Uh, but I grew up in a Saturday Night Live household, and being the child of immigrants, there were not very many things that like I found funny that my parents also found funny because there just wasn't that sense of shared um, humor. And like Saturday Night Live was always one of those things that got us. So we were huge Tina Fey fans going into 30 Rock and having something that was so formative to the sense of humor and how I now write comedy in turn spawn a show that also informs my sense of humor. It's too big of a personal impact to not be able to take that on and say that it has to go forward. I think that so much of the writing that I do now, um, both about comedy and in my own comedy, is because I got to watch Tina Fey do it first at work and then about her work. Um, so that has to go forward for me. Kevin. I'm buying all the sandwiches or all the hot dogs. Damn it, I ruined it. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, it's got to be 30 Rock. I mean... I love both of these, but to be honest with you, if I'm, if I'm going back to rewatch a series, it's 30 rock. I think Tracy Morgan is the gem that they, we never appreciated. He's so fucking funny in that show. Like my God, I, 
I love him. I love him so much. And I think he's very funny. And I, I mean, Jane Krakowski, I mean, Curtis, you're opening mm-hmm. quiet, quiet fives at 10 is speaking. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so good. And like, I really loved the eventual voice they found for Jenna. It's, it's 30 rock for me. So I was really struggling with this one and I'm glad you've made it easier for me because my vote is irrelevant. It's going to be 30 rock. Um, but I will say this for rest of development. Um, Amma was saying like there are moments or I think it was Amma, maybe it was her saying like you would like watch an episode and then like days later you would realize something was actually very funny, but it wouldn't hit you until like days later. Like there's an, there's something with um, what's his face's character. Why am I thinking of uh, the guy who played uh, Fonzie? So Henry Winkler is there and they've been arrested and he shows up to the courthouse and he's wearing like a Captain Crunch like outfit. (laughs) And they said, like, did you talk to the judge? He's like, yeah, he laughed at my suit. And it didn't get like until the third (laughs) time I watched it. Like That's such an amazing play on words. (laughs) And like, like everything is like that with that show. Mm-hmm. Everything. Uh, was it Ama who said that they started, or Curtis that said they started with the second episode of, of Arrest Development? It, it was me. Yeah. Top banana. So there's like, even the fucking pilot of that show where you've got Lucille Bluth watching the um, pirates coming towards the ship. She's like, oh, the gays, I hate them so much. And they're, just, they're so dramatic. I just want to set, I my, set my hair on fire. <laughs> so good. I mean, I, I, I don't really care Bluth. for Job. Exactly. <laughs> I love all my children equally. I don't, I care, don't care for, for Job. Job. Like, everything the whole onyong joke mm-hmm. like they could milk something for so the chicken dance joke like <laughs> oh my god have no have none of the people in this family seen a chicken, <laughs> chicken? <laughs> like every every single element of that show is so funny i can't but but as we've mentioned right. It falls off a cliff at the end, like a, a real, it falls off a stair car and that has to be acknowledged. Whereas 30 rock has a dip in the middle. Like season four is not great, but it comes back strong. And season six is a beautiful ending to that show. Like they just left it at season six with like the chef's kiss and been like, that is exactly the ending I wanted right there. Um, so all of that said, uh, um, I will also say this though, ensemble wise, Arrested Development is peerless. There is not a weak link in that ensemble. Mm. Every single member of it is needed. Thirty Rock has some fat. The, the uh, Pete character never really goes anywhere. I think um, what's his face, the one with the goofy hats, and oh, I love, I love him. I love I, Frank. Do you like and Frank? If you don't have Frank, you don't get Patty Lapone. And Thank sometimes you. you things you get Patty Lapone. Thank and I you. Also love, I also love Lutz. Oh, Lutz. I love Lutz. Love Lutz. Lutz has moments, but like even when it has some of those characters that never really go anywhere, you also have Kenneth <laughs> and you also have Sherry fucking Shepard who comes in. <laughs> and even if you're just looking at her episodes, that show's got to win. Because Ham. 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 <laughs> We were My- watching Hollywood Game Night last night, and Sherry Shepard was a guest. And one of the um, in like the exploding bowl thing, it was three letter food and drink words. And immediately, I say, "Hell!" <laughs> My intro was almost my single. My single is dropping. Is dropping. 
fucking iconic. Okay, so for that reason, it's the final two of The Office versus 30 Rock. I'm not mad about it. We it's- need to go around the horn. I'm going to go to Ama first. Okay, so I love The Office dearly. I still think, even though it had some of its weaker seasons, it is a beautiful, beautiful show. But I am giving it to 30 Rock again because... And I'll give I'll give a very specific example. The year that they had America's Kids Got Singing <laughs> as their reality show, and the one time that they had to show like the contest and you could see the kids competing, it was Songs of the Public Domain Week, <laughs> and I laughed at that joke. And then a week and a half later, I was like, "Holy shit!" Songs of the Public Domain Week, and then started laughing all over again. And there are moments like that. Through the whole series. Not to mention, if you don't have Dufuan from Queen of Jordan, you don't get Titus Andromedon mm-hmm. for the Kimmy Schmidt, which, yep. however you felt about that show, an absolutely iconic character and has given Titus Burgess, Burgess the platform to do anything he wants. So for those two things, only two of many different arguments I can make, I'm giving it to 30 Rock. All right. So, Kevin. <laughs> I... I'm going to also go 30 Rock. And the reason I'm going to go 30 Rock are a lot of the reasons that Ama said. And you also have, um, you know, these like really, it is a really incredibly quotable show. Like, I mean, I think it's a gif that people use a lot too. Like, I want to go to there, um, <clears throat> working on my night cheese, um, what am I a farmer? What am I a farmer? Right. Like what all a of- week. It's only Tuesday <laughs> lemon. Yeah. I mean, there are all these lines and there are all these moments. And, and in reality, really what 30 rock is, it's our modern Mary Tyler Moore. It, yes. You know, it is, yes. they are Mary and Lou Grant. They, hmm. and you've got the side characters um, and I think Tina Fey knew that when she was creating this show. And she just adds, I mean, even Mary Tyler Moore was a very quirky show in its, in its time. But you she, even, you know, I think Tina Fey knew what she was doing. And you get, the other thing I'll say about 30 Rock is I think the guest stars work there more than you'd expect they'd work. There are a lot of shows that are on our list that overuse guest stars, friends, Will and Grace do that. But 30 Rock interweaved folks very well. Even Oprah. Oprah was hilarious. Oh my my God. God. One time at camp, I kissed a girl and then she drowned. She drowned. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, and then the reunion episode. I mean... There are the the Jack reunion episode are oh. funnier than some full reunion specials that I've watched, and I think I've watched most of them. And oh. just the bloopers of the Thirty Rock one were better than some of them. It's just a great show. I'm going Thirty Rock. Curtis, I don't even have to ask. You don't, but I want to talk more. Thirty Rock <laughs> also gave us Donald Glover. Donald Glover was a writer. Yeah. Yep hired at the age of 23 to be a writer for 30 Rock. And because we had Donald Glover, we got Kenneth the Page. So Donald is originally from rural Georgia. Stone Mountain, Georgia, yeah. That's where he grew up. And he based the um, the idea or the, the character of Kenneth on people that he grew up with, like the, his experience in Georgia. And my favorite, favorite 
line slash scene is when Jenna talks about the backdoor brag. And she tells <laughs> Kenneth yes. that a backdoor brag is when you're able to tell someone something nice about yourself. And she says, I can't watch American Idol because I have perfect pitch. And it's a way of sneaking in something nice about yourself. So she says, you try Kenneth. And he says, uh, okay. I can't watch American Idol because there's a water bug on the channel chamber. <laughs> and that line, that line incorporates so many different pieces. Like the fact that they call it a water bug because that's what I grew up calling it. Like these gigantic cockroach-like things that were water bugs. They weren't cockroaches. And he calls it a channel changer, which is just, it is so, so smart. It's such a good show. So it was 30 Rock from the beginning. I think I, I, real quick, just and I also think like it's an outlandish thing to say that if you don't have 30 Rock, you don't get Atlanta. But that is a true sentence. It is. And some of the things that Atlanta has done maybe then come into like when we get to like the 2010s, a beautifully done, wildly irreverent, really, really smart show. And you have to have 30 Rock to get it. So weird statement, but it's true. I, I do need to correct you of something, though, Curtis. I believe it's pronounced Donal Glaver. <laughs> Um, no, so it's amazing to me that we've been having this discussion this whole time and no one has mentioned Alec Baldwin, who is so fucking funny on that episode. And as we're talking about this, it made me flash to one of, I think, my all-time favorite episodes of the series, which is where Nathan Lane plays his no-good brother who comes back and it's the grift on where dad's dead and blah, blah, blah. So then they have the Donaghy family reunion and all of them pronounce their last name completely differently. They all get completely <laughs> drunk and they have this fucking brawl that ends with Liz Lemon saying, I want you to punch your sister in the face. <laughs> so good like it's the dumbest fucking thing but it works it's such a funny show even the dumb things like i don't know why but sometimes i'll be walking down the hall at work and i'll just think to myself at one point in time there was a character on tv who referred to his movie as a bluff fair to remember black which is just so good <sighs> tracy is a gift and jenna is a gift and liz is a gift and like oh yeah and Miss it, Elaine Stritch. Oh my God! Of course. My God! I when I tell you her bitterness is unmatched by maybe just me. I don't know. Like she's just a comedic legend, and her episode where she taunts Liz's family into belligerently <laughs> getting drunk and fighting with each other. <laughs> I could watch it over and over and over again. It is, um, it is such a funny episode. And oh, that also has the um, what's his face from Conan O'Brien show, Andy um, Richter, because he All can't right. remember that he fell off a tree and lost yeah. his memory in nineteen eighty something. <laughs> yeah, the gif of Elaine Stritch going, who cares? Is I <laughs> I share that probably more than any other gif out there. And oh my gosh. I remember watching the Christmas episodes because Elaine Stritch was always in the Christmas episodes and actually like being concerned that she might pass before mm -hmm. they were able to like address it. And they gave that character such a lovely send off. They really did. Yes. It was just pitch perfect because that show had it balanced 
ridiculousness with tremendous heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I'm remembering Octavia Spencer yes! and Harry yes. in <laughs> Tracy's movie. No, I really believe that my character would walk through walls. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's so stupid, but it's so good. And if we can't encapsulate anything about the 2000s, it is that it is so fucking stupid, but also so good. Didn't I bring up Shasta McNasty when this podcast started? We had a show called Shasta McNasty, motherfuckers. There is no better way to wrap up this podcast than (laughs) the ridiculous and stupid 30 Rock is the number one sitcom of the 2000s. So there you go. That's our winner. What do you think? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or via fax to the Dunder Mifflin <laughs> Regional Headquarters. <laughs> I want to say thank you for joining me, and I'll meet you for study group at the Greendale Community College Library. Thank you to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please head to our website and check out the other episodes we've recorded and see what polls are open for your votes. Subscribe to the podcast at the platform of your choice. Leave us a review or a rating follow us on all those social medias and if you really feel like it please consider supporting us on patreon so all right folks now let's talk about fat bitch too have a good night <laughs> <laughs>